Sorry, Mike. I was doing something weird. Look, I need you to move up and together. It's just part of that game. Uh, we're doing something a little different tonight. I'm taking just a pause. Guys, we can move without talking. I do it every day. Um, we're going to just take a pause real quick of Romans. Not, not permanently, but, but last week I was noticing that we're kind of missing, we were missing kind of the fullness of where we were trying to go. And, I, and, and so I just wanted to go back to, um, you know, back to the basic uh, and to hear the words of Christ. And so if you turn with me to Matthew chapter 5, 13 through 16. And look, you're high schoolers. So a lot of times with middle schoolers, I'll, I'll kind of sum over an issue or this or that because they're middle schoolers and I don't think sixth graders should hear certain things from me about some uh, uh, life issues. But let's just be honest, we're high schoolers, so there's life issues that happen and there's real things that happen. And so this sermon tonight is actually one I, I've done before as far as the content, but it's always different. And we're looking at being salt and light, and let, let me explain why. Friday and Tuesday, I had the opportunity to sub at SJ Middle School. And, um, and watching, and I was a floating sub. So that meant I went to every sixth grade room, every seventh grade room, and every eighth grade room. Okay, I had a sub for the teacher. So I walked too much of that campus, got to learn a lot, got to hear a lot, got to see a lot. Y'all know that I'm a coach at Barb High School as a swim coach. Well, Kent, why are you sharing all that? Well, I'm sharing that for a reason. I see segments of your life all the time. And sometimes... I see that we don't understand what it truly means when Christ says to be the salt and the light of the earth. Sometimes I, I see where, where we're almost afraid of what it means is to be, to be this, you know, to be what Christ has asked us to be. And sometimes it, it's to the point where sometimes I don't think you know where to step or where to go or, or if there's a map and and sometimes we think we have to be a flash in the pan. What I mean by that is you, you, you have to do something so bold when Christ sometimes just wants you to do and be obedient. Um, for example, I've never been a very bold person. In other words, I'm not a big, big bold type guy. I'm a doer. I'm, I'm a country boy. So I, I just know how to do one thing and one thing only, and that's to work really hard. That's all I know how to do. That's all my dad ever taught me how to do, is to work really hard. And so I lead a lot of times by example, not by a lot of uh, pep talks and things like that. And I know you go, yeah, you do. But really, I don't compare to others. I, I believe in doing and, and, and going out. So some of the things I do, I do for a reason. I coach to share people about Christ. I go subbing to share people about Christ, which I do. Uh, I've got, I, I got in some very deep spiritual conversations with some teachers in the last two days, and it's been beautiful. 
we have one family come on Sunday and said that they're going to start coming every Sunday because I subbed for the, um, the girl's class and she liked what she saw. That's what being the salt and the light is being about. We've seen a lot of the kids that I've coached over the years start coming on Wednesdays and they want to hear. And so when I'm telling you this, I see your lives and I see that you're living in a world that I sometimes didn't fully understand. We did not have access to the things that you have, uh, that you have access with. Sexuality is to its biggest peak I've ever seen. There's more homosexuality uh, among middle schoolers and high schoolers than I've ever seen in my entire life. And, we, and we're so scared to talk about it, but here's the deal. It is a reality, and the Bible says it's a sin. And, and, and our world now has said that it's morally okay, but it's not morally okay. It is a sin, but... How do you deal with that sin? Well, that's where the love comes in. But see, some of us, we want to just throw judgment on and not love the people where they're at. And see, and that is wrong too. Because we don't really understand what it is to be salt and light. Some of you, we, we, we stand on the things we shouldn't stand and, we, stand and we, we never stand on the things we should stand. Some of us stand on judgment. In other words, we're going to judge people, and that is not where Christ asks us to stand at all. He asks us to stand on what the biblical principles are. But he said, you can, you're not allowed to judge, but we don't understand what that means. <laughs> you know, you're wrong, but I love you. No, that's not what he, you love. You work with them. You don't give up on them. You don't just say, oh, they didn't do what I say, so I'm going to throw my hands up. No, loving people is messy. It's dirty. It doesn't look pretty. And it's not easy. So Christ talked about what it was to be that salt and light. So we're going to talk about that tonight because I think as high schoolers, this is your ministry right now is to these middle schoolers and they need salt and light. They look up to you. If you're a high schooler, you got a, you got a tough road too. <laughs> it's not easy. Trust me. I walk the halls. I see. I hear. And I hear more. I read articles where it's no longer popular. Like, like this girl wrote an article that she's upset that she's entering her, her, her college years as a virgin. She's upset about that. Why? Because we have warped what... Uh, what things are and, and see things that used to be quiet and we had the morality of a country behind us does not exist anymore and sometimes your parents who might have been brought up in church don't understand that part and so they so you know they're telling you well you're going to church I just don't they don't understand because guess what I'm an 80s and 90s kid and I don't understand it fully because it wasn't like that we did things were taboo and you didn't talk about it and it wasn't existed but guys, it exists around you. And people go, then Kent, Kent, why are you talking so much about sexuality? I'll be honest with you. Because that's what's being talked about. And we're scared about it. We're scared to discuss it. How many would agree with me when you walk through your high school, that's, that gets talked about? Be honest with me. I know I don't lie. Raise your hands. You know I'm right. Okay, thank you. It gets discussed. 
And it's more and more open. Why? Because God's going to, I mean, because not God, because Satan's going to attack that first. Why? Because it's a key. It's a key into marriage. So he's going to attack the family. We know that. Marriage and the family was the first thing that God instituted before the fall. It is one of the things that God himself placed together before the fall of man. So where is Satan going to attack the family? Well, how is he going to do that? First, he has to attack the husband and wife before maybe they're even married. And he's going to attack that through the bedroom. And we're shocked by that. Well, how do we, how do we be salt and light? Well, I'm glad you asked. You're the salt of the earth. But what good is salt if it lost its flavor? Can you make it salty again? Will it be thrown out and trampled underfoot as worthless? Are you the light of the world like a city on a hilltop and cannot be hidden? No light <coughs> of a lamp. You would never put a, no one lights a lamp and puts it under a basket. Instead, the light is placed in, uh, on a stand where it's giving light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your um, good deeds shine out for all those you see. So that everyone will praise your heavenly father. These verses summarize the function of a believer in the world. To summarize in one, uh, uh, to one word, the word is influence. Whoever lives accordingly to the word of God to function in the world as salt and light. Christian character consciously and unconsciously affects others for better or for worse. And what I mean is... A lot of times in the Christian community now, we're either quiet on the things that we should be loud on, or we're way too loud on things we really should show the love of God on. So how are we salt and light? He says, you know, let our good deeds shine out. And, you know, and how do we do that? So first, let's talk about being salt. And being salt, what we mean by that is the subtleality of salt. See, salt had a function. It had, a, it had several functions. First, it was a high value in importance. In other words, salt at one time replaced money and gold. It was used as exchange. It was used to pay people. They used, um, have you ever heard the phrase, worth your salt? Have you ever heard that? Are you worth your salt? The reason where that came from is they used to play soldiers salt. That used to be a big deal because why? Well, salt had a lot of functions to it, and we're going to talk about it here in a minute, but <coughs> this is where this uh, originated from. It was a mark of friendship and fellowship. In the Near East, it was used to bind a covenant. Salt was highly important. We see in Second Chronicles 13.5 that God made a covenant of salt with David. Salt was a valuable commodity. So that's number one. So when it says be salt, it means be valuable in your community. It means be valuable to your friends. Be something that's worth something out. As Christians, it's valuable. Notice this. You know, if it loses its saltiness, in other words, if it loses its value, is it worth anything? And see, here is the thing. You are where you are because God placed you. The thing is, if you are not in your high school tomorrow, would they notice Will they notice? Not noticing your absence, but will they no miss your presence? See, because salt brings into it a present. Let me just tell you, if you put salt on meat, do you notice it? Yeah, imagine if you weren't there tomorrow, would they notice you? 
like they would notice salt. In other words, that there's a value there, that you bring something to the table that you, no pun intended, but that you bring, probably a pun knowing me that it was intended, that, that you bring something to the table that, that, that there's a value there, not a value in which you bring, but a value in which God himself brings through you and people see it. You know? I, I sometimes have walked in rooms before and never told people who I am or what I do, and I have had people run up to me and ask me to pray for them, and they don't know who I am or what I do. But why? And I'll go, well, what made you think? They, and they'll say, I see the presence of the Lord. Do people see the presence of the Lord in your life? It's not, it's not something, people can see it. My mentor, Sammy Crawford, when he walks into a room, the draw of the Holy Spirit is upon him. In other words, you know what he stands for. And that has been a prayer all my life, to be like that, to be that guy that when you go in the room, you know. He never hardly talks, so you know I'm not going to be exactly like him. But he is phenomenal. He knows, you know where he stands. Number two. Another thing that being salt is, it's a preservation. See, salt was used to preserve meat. It was, you know, we didn't have ice boxes all our life. I'm sorry, y'all from the city. Y'all didn't have refrigerators all your life. Where I was from, we called them ice boxes. But you don't have refrigerators. You say, I'm looking rude. They're Googling ice box, okay? They're going to be rectangle, old, and, and nasty looking. All right. So, you know, you, we didn't have refrigerators to keep things cool and things. So salt, a lot of times, was used in several different ways. One, salt would be poured over the meat to kind of cure it and begin to almost cook the meat a little bit, but it would preserve it. Sometimes it was used not just for flavor, but preserving the meat and preserving the things around it, and that's how they would make the meat last longer. Christians are to have that preserving influence, just like salt. See, on the world. They are to delay, delay moral and spiritual spoilage. In other words, um, what does that mean? Well, it, it means that you don't act like the world. See, we're in the world, but we're not to be of the world and to influence the world that's around you. It, it is not for the disciples, you know, the followers of Christ to decide whether they'll be salt of the earth. For so whether they like it or not, that's what we are. So how are we going to do it? Dietrich Bonhoeffer said this. It's not for the disciples to decide whether or not they're going to be the salt of the earth. For they say, so whether they uh, like it or not, they have, made, they have been made salt by the call they received. In other words, like it or not, you're salty. Okay, like it or not, you're to be the salt of the world. What does that function? Well, that function means that, that, that there's a moral preserving around you. I remember in, in middle school and high school, people would cuss around me, and immediately when they cuss around me, they would always say, I'm sorry, Kent. And I would always think that was funny because it wasn't me they were offending. They would use the Lord's name in vain. They would do so, but they immediately apologized. So I talked to my mom about that because I just thought that was weird because everybody was apologizing to me. And she said, Kent, remember, the reason they're doing it is because they know who you represent. And that is what the saltiness is. We, when we preserve, people know what you represent, and they bring something with it. 
There is a sullenness in it. In other words, uh, um, people are going to know who you represent and what and, and who you're about. Sometimes you don't have to shout that from the rooftops, although we're going to talk about shouting from the rooftops here in a minute. But sometimes you don't have to do that. When you serve and you serve with a humble heart and let people see who you are and, wh- and what you're doing, it's going to preserve the things around. People, believe it or not, people do know right and wrong, and they need to see that in you, that you live a biblical, moral life. Understand what I'm saying. A biblical, moral life is very different than a moral life. Because the world determines what a moral life is, and the world's going to determine now what's right and wrong. See, every religion has a right to be heard now, except for Christianity. Everything has a right for this, that, you, you know, it, you, you need to be so accepting that there is no right and wrong anymore. And that's the moral standard in the world's eyes. But God's standard says there is a right and there's a wrong. There is his way of godliness or not. Well, what if that person's not a Christian? Well, then the Bible says that they don't understand the law and we're to present the law to them. But I cannot hold someone to the law who does not know the law. In other words, that they do not know Jesus Christ as their personal Lord and Savior you can't say, here's the Bible, why are you not obeying it? They don't even know who it is. That's like Ben going up and people say, go talk to Kent. And they go, who in the world is Kent? I don't know who Kent is. He has to what first? Introduce them to me. Next time they'll know, right? Some of you are never even introducing Jesus to people they don't even know. And you're trying to tell them, hey, you got to obey this. They have no clue. Am I making sense? Yes, sir. No, sir. You're a weird sir. Okay. I've, I've used this story before, and it's because I love it. And I just absolutely love the story, and it is true. Um, you can actually Google her. It's really a really neat story. Ellen Edwin was saved as a young girl in Scotland. And she gave her life completely to the Lordship of Christ. And when she died at the age of 22, that's pretty young, it was said that all of Scotland wept for her. Would you imagine to be 22 and an entire country weep for you? She had expected to serve God as a missionary in Europe and had become fluent in the Russian language. But she was not uh, able to fulfill that dream. She had no obvious gifts, such as speaking or writing. She had never traveled far from home. The farthest she ever traveled home was 200 miles. Yet, by the time that she died, she had won hundreds and hundreds and some say thousands of people to Jesus Christ. Countless missionaries mourned her death because they knew that a great channel of their spiritual strength was gone. 22 now, she had risen every morning at 5 in order to study God's word and pray. And her diary revealed that she regularly prayed for uh, over 300 missionaries by name daily. Everywhere she went, the atmosphere was changed. If someone was telling a dirty story, he would stop if she was coming. If people were complaining, they would become ashamed of it because of her presence. 
And this is what a fellow student at Glasgow University said about her. And this is my favorite part. Does people at your school say this? And before you say, oh, Kent, no one will ever say, I guarantee, 22 years old, Hella, no one would see this girl would be much notice. You just heard she did not have anything that was extraordinary except for one. That was Jesus Christ in her. Listen to what it says. She left the fragrance of Christ wherever she went. And everything she said and she did, she was God's salt. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians 2.15, For we are the aroma of Christ to God, uh, to God among those who are being saved and among those who are perishing. In other words, we're to be an aroma. Anybody ever smelled some like really beautiful smelling perfume? I mean, gorgeous. And, and you're just like, you know, you want to follow it, you know? One year when I was in college, uh, my first year, I, we had a little house that six of us shared that the college provided. And it was an old house. So it didn't have a foundation. It, the foundation was raised. Underneath my closet, a family of skunks had made a nest. I didn't know it. So I was play wrestling with my friend, and he's a big dude. He's about over 300 pounds, and, you know, me, I, I was 140 at that time. And we were playing, so I decided I was going to throw him. It worked, but the house shook. We disturbed the mama and her skunks. And, and she had decided to make the nest underneath the air vent of the thing that was right in my closet. So, like a movie. Like a movie. It was, and I, I'm, we're covered. We're covered. My books still smell like skunk today on certain ones like you can open in the right thing. Nasty. Bathing in tomato juice does not work. I do not care what they said. I did it twice. I had to literally just spray myself, okay? So whenever we walked in, see the house was called Blue Vista. People would go, here comes the Blue Vista boys. Watch out. Blue Vista boys. Run, 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 run. You know, didn't have dates for weeks. We blamed it on the skunk. It probably wasn't the skunk, but we blamed it on the skunk, Okay? And wherever we had, we had that aroma with us, and people didn't want to be near us. Some of you, that's exactly how you act. People don't want to be near you. You smell. And neither, you know. But then those like this Helen have this beautiful scent that people want to see in the presence of God, and they're attracted. And, done, you know, we, um, that there's just certain perfumes that just, you know, I'll smell them and go, wow. You know, you want to find where that's coming from because it smells good. And, and those who know me, I don't stink. I refuse to stink, and now you know why. When you've been sprayed by a skunk. So are you smelling? Are you smelling? Okay, no. Are you have aroma that people are attracted to? Are people running from you? Lastly is being the light. And that's apparent. In other words, that's going to be abundant, and it's apparent, and people are going to see it. Apparent means of being, you know, that people are going to see that you're coming. What does the Bible say? 
It says you don't light a, uh, a lamp and just hide it under a barrel. What they would do was they would light a, a uh, be like a lantern, and they would put it in the center of the house for most of the room could do that, but they would not hide it underneath the barrel. See, salt is hidden. Salt would, would be invisible. You, it, you might not see it working. But light, it's obvious. Salt works secretly, while light works openly. Salt works from within, and light works from without. The call of Jesus makes the disciple community, that means the followers of Christ, the church, not only the salt, but also the light of the world. Their activity is visible as well as in, um, um, in Parisville. Dietrich Bonhoeffer, I keep quoting Dietrich Bonhoeffer, he's my favorite writer in the whole world, Cost of Discipleship. It is uh, not just an easy read, but it is very worth your time. So what does light do? Well, light is direct and noticeable. It's direct and noticeable instruments. It, 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 in its very nature, light must be visible to illuminate. You don't put a flashlight underneath. I was watching a commercial today while I was eating at a restaurant, and they had a TV going, and they had this light, and they were putting it in, 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 in greased french fries and pulling it up. You ever seen that? And, and they were... They, a fire truck ran over it. One of it threw, threw it from a helicopter, and it keeps lighting. And, and, it, and it would even blind you through the, as their video in it. It was, it was very apparent. Because what is the purpose of light? To see. When you walk in a dark room, you don't go, oh, man, I wish it was darker. What's the first thing you do? You look for the light switch to see. Because light but when you're the apparent light, you're going you're gonna to show everything. You're direct. You're noticeable. People are going to know who you are. I, I, I think it's so funny when we do things as groups and Christians and other churches, I think it is a shame when people come up to people and go, I didn't know you were a Christian. I didn't even know you went to church. We don't need to be proud about that. That's sad. That means we're not being noticeable lights of Christ in our life. A city on a hill means both in the daytime and the night, the city on the hill cannot be hidden. It is exposed for all to see. And people know that who you are. Now, see, when people see that, they say, but what if people find out I'm not perfect? What if people find out I make mistakes? What if people find out that I mess up? Let them. Let them. Let them know that you have mistakes in your life. Let them know that you struggle with things. Because our problem is we're afraid of being exposed because we're afraid of being shown as failures. But see, without Jesus Christ, that's what we are, as failures. But with him, we have success stories. Let me just tell you guys, I am not ashamed to let people know that I have a history with depression and anxiety, and I have to take medicine, and I had to see counselors, I had to do those things, and people say, you should be ashamed of that. I'm not, because Christ works through it. I had dyslexia, and I was told I wasn't going to go to college, but God had another plan. I was told, because my stuttering, I would never speak in front of people, but God has other plans. See, when we don't expose ourselves, people will think, oh man, Kent's got it together, look at Kent, and I've been told that before, I went, ooh, I have anything but together. What you see is a beautiful array of what God designed, not what man designed. 
Man did not design this. God did. But when we're afraid to expose ourselves, see, we're afraid to tell people we're, uh, that, that we failed and, and, and stuff. You know why? Because we're afraid they're going to use that H word, right? And what's that H word? Hypocrite. We're afraid of them to say, oh, you hypocrite. Let me just tell you, I, we had a young lady in our youth group gave, her a, uh, gave a, a beautiful Bible study last week at a FCA, and she talked about obedience, and it was one of the best Bible studies on obedience I have ever heard because it was not this little Sunday school answer. It was true obedience, and it talked about struggle with obedience, and it talked about what real obedience was. And she exposed herself with it, and it was beautiful. And anything but people saying hypocrite, people going, oh, wow, that hit me. That is being exposed. When we're so worried about what people are going to think about you, you'll never get to do anything in life. Let me just tell you, you've got to be a city on a hill. Lastly, what's the purpose? The purpose is to glorify God. Let your light shine before men in such a way that they may see your good works and glorify God in all that you do. Letting our light shine before men allows them to see our good works and lets the beauty of the Lord work in us and to see good works by us to see Christ in us. That is why Jesus said, let your light shine. It is not something that we create or make up, but something that we allow the Lord to do through us. It is God's light. Our choice is whether to hide it or to let it shine. What will you do? Will you be salt and light in your school? Will you be salt and light to these middle schoolers? Will you work with them and let them see who God is? And let it be glorified in him. Sam, I see the time. I don't want to rush anything. So we're going to pray. And uh, normally we'll do a song together. But let me just tell you, Sam, myself, the Thomases, we're here. See, the Bible doesn't say there has to be music to have an invitation. There's nowhere in the Bible. We use it, and, and I think it's beautiful. The invitation here is always continuous. You can always grab us. If you grab me, Sam, or the Thomases, uh, or any of our adults, Miss Annette, Miss Angie, any of us, we're here for you, and we will stop what we're doing, and we will talk to you because there's nothing more valuable to us than telling you about what Jesus is and what he has done for us. I promise you. Because there is not a perfect human being in this room, and our adults are the first ones to tell you that, okay? So let us pray together, and we'll, uh, and let, um, and we'll dismiss. Father, we thank you for who you are. We thank you for your word. We thank you for your son, Jesus Christ. We thank you that you're the salt. We thank you that you, you show us how to be the salt 